Greetings, my name's Adam Draycott. Welcome to our online ministry. This has been prepared for the 10th of December 2023, our second Sunday in Advent. Our sentence of scripture comes from Isaiah 52, verse 2. Shake yourself from the dust, says the Lord. Arise, O captive Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. We're going to open up God's word a little later on from uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and see how uh, that passage speaks uh, to this sentence. But for now, let us have a time of praise. you have given us 
in our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Bible readings come from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. That's our preaching passage for today. Psalm 85. And our Gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 17. Now let me read to you from Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. What do you want for Christmas? Uh, Dad would always answer, peace and quiet. Uh, but what you ask for and what you get are often two different things. If you could ask for anything, and I really mean anything, forget the jocks, forget the socks, if you were to ask for anything, what would it be? I think our answer will depend on our circumstances. The person in chronic pain, I bet I know what they're asking for. The childless couple, I bet I know what they're asking for. Those experiencing loss and grief. Gloom takes on all sorts of shades. Gloom is a feeling of sadness, a lack of hope. And if you were to ask God to undo your gloom this Christmas, what's on your list? Do you see the promise in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1? There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress.
Why the distress? Why the gloom? Well, here's the problem. Chapters 1 to 9 have spelled it out. Judah lives with constant threat from all directions. Assyria will wipe the north off the map. Areas around Galilee, like verse 1, Zebulun and Naphtali, become Assyrian. It's even called Galilee of the Gentiles, because Gentile invaders settle there in these places. How they on it in the future? I don't know. That's, for, that's verse 1, isn't it? Why else is this bad? Because in chapter 8, verse 19, we're told that God's people have been consulting mediums and spiritists and talking to the dead. Verse 20, they're not consulting God. They're just like Judah's king Ahaz, not walking with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on the way. They're not doing that. And so the alternative is gloom. So this is politically oppressive for Judah, yes. You need to see it's spiritually oppressive as well. So what do those walking in the darkness of gloom need? Well, the answer is that right there in verse 2, the people walking in the darkness have seen a great light. Well, those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Dawning light, light has dawned. What it means? What it means? God is present. So when you look at Christmas lights, you can know the symbolism, and you can be comforted because amidst the darkness, God has turned up. That's the point. Now, what are verses 3, 4, and 5 about? Oh, my goodness. Come with me. Because verse 3, there's great rejoicing, increased joy. Why? Because verse 4 is about release from oppression. Verse 5, the ceasing of war. And verse 6, the birth of a baby, who we're told in verse 7 will forever sit on David's throne. So goodbye, King Ahaz, you beauty. Notice... This is unbelievable confidence. It's plainly future, but it's spoken about like it's already done. That the threats are gone. And so verse 4, the yoke, the bar, the rod that burdens and oppresses Jerusalem, it's shattered. The warrior's boots and the clothing stained in blood, well, that's fuel for the fire now. It's already done. Such is this confidence. So we ask, well, why? Why the confidence? Well, we already know why. Because, firstly, the light has dawned. God is present. But we're given another reason, a second reason, in verse 4. Did you see it? For is in, as in the day of Midian's defeat. What's Midian? Who are Midian? Well, Judges chapter 7. Gideon versus the Midianites. Gideon and his 300 mates 
versus a number that was incalculable. That's a big word, isn't it? Overwhelming odds. No chance. This is unbelievable. But for God. God delivers. God brings peace. Here is an encouragement to have confidence in his salvation. You see the end of verse 7? The zeal of the Lord will do it. The Lord will reverse the gloom. The Lord will undo the gloom. And he will bring his glorious light because he's the Lord. He'll bring increased joy and great rejoicing. Gloom. Name your gloom. How many funerals did you attend this year? Answer, too many. Loving relationships are like that. They're painful because they mean so much. And death robs us of them. Verse 2. We live in the shadow of death. Gloom. I reckon the people of Ukraine know about gloom. I reckon the people of modern Israel know about gloom. But equally, the people of Gaza and Palestine, they know about gloom. Now imagine world leaders trying to broker peace. And one of them says, I know, I've got the answer. Some woman is pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then he gets on the news and he says, hey, people walking in the darkness. Have you seen the great light? Because I'm against all the odds. God will deliver peace. Because some woman is pregnant. <laughs> How do you think that's going to go? How do you think that's going to go? Well, look at verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Children bring out joy. But they don't solve the problem of death. They don't. Children are a real joy, and they're a nice distraction at Christmas, but the gloom still lurks, doesn't it? And if we never look beyond the baby in the manger, and if we never look beyond the baby, Jesus, meek and mild, then all Christmas will be is a nice event for a few days. If it's only about the baby, then there is no lasting solution. Yeah, it will be lovely, make no mistake, but that is all it will ever be. Yet still, isn't it amazing that after the darkness and gloom of verse 2, verse 6 speaks of a baby. But no ordinary baby. And you can tell that from his name. Look at verse 4. He'll be called 
wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Which, by the way, King Ahaz of Judah is none of these things. In Hebrew culture, we should know that names carry enormous significance. Wonderful counsellor. He will solve the puzzle of life. He's going to help us make sense of the world. The counsellor is going to look into the heart and soul of each one of us. And his advice will be life-changing and life-shaping. And those crowds that followed Jesus about in the Gospels, what did they say? Didn't they say things like, oh, we've never heard anything like this before. They were amazed at his teaching. And isn't his teaching that which has been the bedrock of our society for so long and our ethics for so long, for ages, yet we are losing it now. And we wonder why the world is going to the dogs. Yep, it's a big problem. Mighty God. Jesus is God. Let's be plain about that. We can read about his godlike acts in the Gospels, the healings, his control over the elements. Even extra-biblical history records these staggering events. And what did Jesus do? Jesus went to Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea. That's Matthew chapter 4. The land of Gentile invaders. God himself will walk there as Jesus fulfills Isaiah chapter 9. And somehow those Gentile invaders are honoured. And what did Jesus do in Galilee? Well, the paralysed man will walk and his sins will be forgiven. That was Mark chapter 2. But maybe you're thinking about Jesus calming the storm. Because he is the Lord of creation, he's able to stand in the boat and say, Be still! Now you try that in the bath sometime. See how that works out for you. All the best with that. And then think about mighty God. People ask, who is he? And the answer, of course, is there for us. He's mighty God. Verse 6. He's the everlasting Father. To know the Son is to know the Father. That's John's Gospel. That's John 14, verse 9. To see Jesus is to see the Father. But everlasting, mm, I think that's key. Satan is the father of lies. Who's the father of eternity? If you want anything eternal, where do you go for that? Who do you get it from? Jesus. Jesus was raised from the dead. Through him, the door to eternity is swung open. And so there is a door marked death. And one by one, we go through it, the doorway of death. But there is a man that has been through that door. And three days later, he came back. And he says, I've carried your sins. Now let me carry you through death. For I am the resurrection and the life. Can I face death and be at peace? Can I know the outcome of my death? Can I no longer fear death? 
And the answer is yes. Yes, yes, because Christ is risen. He is the great light, the light that lights up the darkness. Prince of Peace is the last name. What does that mean? Well, in a world filled with war and violence throughout history, to read Prince of Peace, you've got to wonder if it's a sick joke. Is that a sick joke? Because our world is so characterised by a lack of peace. And increasingly, more and more people are buying the lie that God is responsible. That somehow, if you delete God, there will be no more wars in the world. That's the logic. It's his fault. So let's get rid of him. But the Bible makes it clear, God is not the problem when it comes to peace. No, ultimately, we are the problem. The reason the world is without peace is because the world lives like God does not exist. The world relegates God to the bench as an orange peeler and decides, I make the rules, I'm the king of me, and we live as if we were God. I mean, he's okay in an emergency, sure, if you need a crutch. But in our hearts, we make up the rules. We live the way we want to live and we ignore the wonderful counsellor despite his awesome teaching that our ears have never heard before. We relegate Jesus to the bottom drawer of the cupboard. But again, yeah, what did we see Matthew 4 do with Isaiah 9? I hope you read up Matthew 4. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. So from that time on, what did Jesus do? He preached, repent. Turn from your sin and turn to God. Leave the gloom and turn to the light. See, why is there no peace? Because the world tries to live without God. They're walking in the gloom, in the darkness. And we'll never get Christmas until we get that. If God is going to do something about peace on earth, he first must do something about our lack of peace with him. That's the problem. This is where the Prince of Peace comes in. The baby is born to bring us peace with God. I mean, remember, an angel appears to Joseph in Matthew chapter 21, uh, 1, verse 21. And, he, and the angel says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is why he comes. To bring us peace with God. Our sin separates us from God. In our sin, we shake our fists at God. We become his enemies. When we refuse his love and we refuse his blessings, he will give us what we ask for. We will be separated now and in eternity. And that's, that place is called hell. But as Jesus died on the cross, he cried out, It's finished. It's done. Your sins are paid for. We have peace with God that will be never-ending. And so do you see what Isaiah does for us today? Isaiah looks right through history to its very end and it says 
This man, Jesus, has the ability to bring true peace, lasting peace on earth. And he will do it, verse 7. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom with justice and righteousness. Every wrong will be righted. Everything will be just and fair and thoroughly good. And this is what the great light delivers. Jesus undoes the gloom. If you want to see this great light, you see it when you see who Jesus truly is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says, For God who said, Let the light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. See God in the face of Christ. You won't see it by looking in a crib or gazing at fairy lights or staring at a Christmas card. See, what do you want for Christmas? You'll see what you really want by looking into this and seeing his light dawn on you. The light of Christ filling our hearts such as his love, seeing his face, his light dawning on us. A woman called Jennifer did that this week for the first time. Jennifer was confronted with the darkness, with infinite gloom, yet the light of Christ shone on her. What do you want for Christmas? No, what do you really want for Christmas? Let me pray. Father God, show us more and more of your Son, Jesus, this Christmas and lead us in the way of repentance and faith that you be glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you. 
sisters uh, we come to a time of prayer in a moment uh, the blue screen will show with some prayer points for you you also have the bulletin if you're part of the Inverell mob uh, look for the ministry focus for this week our mission focus at the moment is uh, next gen Uganda please be committing committing that to prayer and pray particularly for, for Sophie and I as we prepare to head over as part of the team for the next gen conference Whatever you do, don't not pray.
with the words of blessing from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration. Encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.